Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Zeps Magazine. Today on the pod, we have longtime comics creator Carl Kessel to talk about his new Kickstarter project, Section Zero 1959. We talk about that book and the original Section Zero, how it went from being a comic almost 20 years ago to being revived by Kickstarter into a hardcover that is currently available and will soon be serialized in single issues by Image Comics. We also talk about Carl's long career, including a couple books that I have a great fondness for, including his run on Daredevil, the Fantastic Four annual he did in the late 90s, and the DC event book Final Night that he did with Stuart Eminem. We also wanted to make note that starting on the website soon, we are going to be doing a television review called High Wire Act, which is a, an episode-by-episode episode look back at the original Danger Man slash Secret Agent TV show from the mid to late 60s starring Patrick McGowan, the show that preceded his doing The Prisoner. Like I said, we're going to be doing an episode-by-episode episode look uh, mainly at the plots and also a lot of the great British talent that were guest stars on that show that went on to greater things later. We also will be announcing probably on the next episode of the podcast that we're going to be doing a convention sometime time in the summer, but since details are not official yet, I don't want to let that cat out of the bag. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Did you ever stop to think about Zero? Zero is fantastic. Why, without the concept of Zero, we'd never be able to multiply, divide, add, subtract, or even to count. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. It's a big thrill to have today's guest on the show as he has worked on some of my favorite projects over the years. We'll get to some of those, but first we are going to talk about his current Kickstarter project, Section Zero 1959. So welcome to the show, the multi-talented Carl Kessel. How's it going, Carl? Uh, it's going great, Mark. Thanks. I am glad we have finally gotten to do this because we had talked about originally doing uh, an episode of the pod back when the first book had its Kickstarter, and then that ended up not happening, and so we decided to do it again for this the, the new book, and we've had some issues and timing and illness and things like that, so I'm glad that you're finally here. Well, I am too. I am too. You know, it's, uh, yeah, hopefully it's worth the wait. Let's hope. Yes, and uh, like I said, it's uh, the book is called uh, section Zero, this is the second one, like I said, night, Section Zero, 1959. Um, I looked earlier today, um, and it was up to 81% funded with two weeks to go. Is, are those numbers about accurate? I, I would call those pretty close, pretty darn close, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with our progress, but of course, with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. So, you know, 81%... Really, that means zero percent, doesn't it? Until it's one hundred percent, it's zero percent. But uh, but we are many, you know, we, we are we are uh, doing well towards getting our goal. And I think and I hope that as long as um, as long as I don't uh, take anything for granted, and as long as uh, I have people helping me, people like you, Mark, I, I think we can still make the goal and um, make this book a reality. Let's. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And like I said, the first book, um, this book has sort of a long and complicated history. 
Uh, I remember buying the original issues at the time. Um, so why don't you give people sort of a quick primer on when the original book came out almost 20 years ago now oh. and to, to how we got to where we are now. All right. Um, well, Section Zero started as a part of the gorilla imprint of Image Comics back in 2000. And it was Tom Grummet and I co-created the book, which uh, basically, you know, for people who don't know, it is the high concept would be Jack Kirby does the X-Files. So we have all the creepy monsters and, and, um, and uh, you know, I wouldn't even say just always creepy monsters. Sometimes we just have big monster monsters and uh, all the sort of stuff you might see on X-Files. But with uh, I, I like to think a lot more punching and explosions. So that's where the Jack Kirby comes in. But um, we started it back in 2000. Uh, and I got three, we got three issues out and then personal, uh, matters came up on my end and I could no longer, uh, afford to work on a creator owned book, which was paying us no money. So, um, I had to start looking for work that gave me income, but, uh, almost from the time that we put it on the shelf, Tom and I tried to figure out ways to keep bringing it back. Uh, you know, and, uh, in 2012, we actually tried to revive it as a, a web comic that, you know, because everyone goes, oh, you can do like a page a week, post a page a week. And, and and quite honestly, there are people who can do that. But Tom and I are not those people. We cannot we cannot squeeze an extra page out of our, our work schedule every week. And uh, talked to IDW at one point. Um, we couldn't quite make the numbers work. Once again, Tom and I had to pay our bills. Um, and then we thought, let's give this Kickstarter thing a go. So in 2017, <clears throat> excuse me. Tom and I did a Kickstarter for Section Zero, Volume Zero, and the idea would be that we would reprint the three issues that was that were published back in 2000 through Image, and then we would produce about three issues worth of new material to finish off the first story, and that's what we did. It uh it took us a lot longer to finish than we originally thought, and that's because we learned that when you're working on something that means a lot to you, you do your best work, which, you know, meant Tom was not drawing five pages a week. It meant Tom was drawing three pages a week and he was really throwing himself into the work. And that meant I was not inking three pages a week. It was taking me a, a week to ink three pages. And um, so it took us a lot longer to finish that book, but we did get it done. It's out. It's in people's hands. We're very proud of it. And so we uh, we want to do more. And so that's why we launched Section Zero 1959, which is it's the second uh, volume, but it is in many ways a prequel to the first book because it is set in 1959, which involves the uh, the original Section Zero team. And uh, it's a very challenges of the unknown sort of team. It's four people who uh, don't have any uh, specific uh, powers of their own. And they're, they, you know, come together to look into the strange and unknown. And uh, in this case, it means a lot of like large Marvel, uh, large, large monsters, like from early Marvel monster comics, like Tales to Astonish and that sort of thing. The sort of Fin Fang Foom or Goom or Gugam sort of stuff, which I have a deep fondness for, uh, an, an irrational fondness for those stories. And so we're just kind of throwing all of that in a mixer and, um, and this is what we came up with as, as what we wanted to do next. And uh, as it happens, 1959 is the year Tom and I were both born. So uh, as as unbelievable as it seems, to me especially, we turned 60 this year. And so 
choosing 1959 was not a mistake. That was on purpose. This is uh, very much a uh, birthday gift to ourself. And uh, I think you can see the joy that it gives us on every single page we do. And, and that's our gift to the readers. And um, I think we all come out ahead. That's what, that's what I'd like to think. Right. And uh, you mentioned it was, it was part of the Gorilla Comics. And if people don't remember, um, it was, some, it was uh, your book. And uh, Kurt Busiek had a couple books. He was doing Shock yeah. Rockets and Superstar. Right. Mark Wade yeah. and Barry Kitson were doing Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, Telos ha- had gone from Image and I think to Gorilla. Or, yes. Yeah. yeah, they Hello yeah. started as an image comic, and uh, we we kind of begged them to join us, and they were you know uh, Todd and Mike were really you know, grateful and did, um, and uh, and George Perez, don't forget George, right? And George, George doing Crim- Crimson Plague, right? Which I think it started from Event. These are like all these names from like the distant the past of '90s comics coming back, but yeah. it's but yeah, it's cool. It seems like a lot of that stuff eventually has managed to come out, you know, Mark and Barry, you know, took Empire to DC for a while to right. do that. And I know Shock Rockets has been reprinted a couple times and, you know, Tell Us lasted a little while longer until unfortunately, you know, until Mike passed away. Yeah, very so, sad. So it's cool that, although it's funny that, um, I think I may have said this over the course of us talking is, you know, Todd is doing Perhaps Nots, which is a book that I always say is sort of, I always see as a kindred spirit to Section Zero, that, you know, it's that sort of, and again, sort of like Hellboy and BPRD, that it's, the, you know, that sort of X-File-y things. And I always used to say if people remembered your book that they would like their book and things like that. So I'm glad that, you know, like everyone's back and, and everybody can read everything again. Yeah, no, me too. And, uh, you know, Todd, Todd and I have uh, many interests in common. And, and it turned out the interest in, uh, you know, 40 in events and the strange and the unusual uh, is something that's, that's near and dear to both of our hearts. And uh, so we, we, we both, you know, one of our creator-owned comics for both of us is, uh, is one that deals with the strange and unknown and, and deals with, you know, a team of adventurers that look into it. Um, it's just, you know, great minds or, or maybe mediocre minds in this case, thinking alike, you know. And as you said, the Section Zero hardcover came out last year, but you're going to be putting it out in issues again from Image in April. Yes. Right? Yeah, Image, um, you know, we approached Image with the idea that, uh, you know, about a thousand people supported us last time. And we are deeply, deeply grateful for that. But uh, I think I would like to believe there's more than a thousand people out there that would enjoy that story. And so we approached Image and uh, they were gracious enough to agree to put out Section Zero as a miniseries. Take that hardcover book we put out, reprint the uh, first three issues, which, let's face it, they're all, they were already printed as three issues of an Image comic back in, t- three, in 2000. So they'll re- those will be the first three issues. And then the second Half of the book that we did all new for the uh, collector's edition, that will be the second three issues of the miniseries. And uh, so they will be able to serialize uh, what we put out in the hardcover. And uh, we're hoping this uh, expands the readership base for Section Zero. 
And I'm hoping, quite honestly, this is our business model moving forward, that Tom and I will kickstart a, a hardcover deluxe collector's edition, which then about a year later, Image will put out in, you know, comic book form, uh, which, which really is, is your classic printing uh, publishing uh, model, isn't it? The hardcover followed by the paperback. And so that's that's really what we're trying to do here. Kickstarter allows us to pay our bills. And so once the book has been paid for through Kickstarter, then we can afford to give the book for free to Image, which, you know, in rare, only rare cases do they pay people up front. And um, as I said before, Tom and I simply are not in a position to be able to afford to work on anything for free. We've got we've got families to support. It's interesting to read the hardcover. Like you said, you had the three original issues and the three new issues. And it's sort of interesting because the first three issues are set back in 2000 when when it was originally published. And then the last three are set, I guess you could call it the quote-unquote present. So there's a time gap. And so you actually yeah. introduce another new set of characters in the present that are, you know, that have to find or team up with the team that you created originally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, from the beginning, um, from, from the beginning, since we had always, let, let me see if I can explain it. We had always known that Section Zero was part of the set of, of the United Nations Charter. It was created by the United Nations Charter. It's the, a secret section of the Charter. So um, it had it had a real root and uh, an anchor in history. So we, we you know it was not a character like Spider Man that can kind of slide along in history. There there was this point where Section Zero begins, and you can like point to the day. So from the very beginning, we thought, well, we're going to have to fill that time in. You know, not that we have to, but in our own heads, we know there's always been a team around, which means time keeps passing for these characters. So for, from the very beginning, we decided to age the characters in real time. And quite honestly, this is something I've always wanted to do anyways. I have a theory that, you know, if, if you're 12 year old, if you are 12 years old when Robin is 12 years old and you're 17 when Robin is 17 and you're 25 when Robin is 25, you bond to that character much more strongly than if Robin is just always 14 years old and you become 35, you know, um, I don't know if that's, tr that's true or not, but it, that's a theory I believe in. And um, so anyway, so when we decided you know, to do the Kickstarter and bring it back, 18 years had gone by. And uh, we thought we've got to make that part of the story. We didn't see any reason to throw out the idea that the characters aged in real time. So what had happened to those characters in 18 years? And um, that gave us some really interesting places to go. And uh, I actually think... You know, the story that we ended up producing is drastically different than what we would have done 18 years ago. But quite honestly, Mark, I, I honestly believe it's a much better story than it would have been 18 years ago. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned the thing about uh, a sliding timescale, because one of the things that I had on the notes that, that I wanted to talk to you about is arguably, I think my favorite thing that you may have have ever written and I know that's a lot of books and a lot of things that I really like but the the Fantastic Four annual that you wrote which again is many years ago now but it was I think it was in 97 or 98 
that yeah it was one of the players you're right yeah yeah uh the concept was that um ben gets zapped into an alt uh an alternate timeline where the the yeah. team had been found had was founded in 1961 when you know when ff1 came out and so everyone had aged right so so you had you know readings who were you know middle age or like franklin had grown up and you know johnny was sort of having this you know kind of midlife crisis and you know he's married to crystal and they you know they have a kid and you have luna running around and um franklin yeah, is yeah. franklin franklin is married to black panther's daughter and you have a couple other surprise characters that show up in there but that's a book i've always really 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 loved because again it was you know the sl the sliding scale thing but it's a thing that really shows the affection for the characters and it's one of those things about how always the you know the key to the ff is that they're a family you know yeah. that that yeah. issue really really hit home you know like what kind of family they are yeah well you know th that is the problem with the the, the I, I think the biggest problem with the fantastic four in the marvel universe is that if your core idea is that you're a family the the way you show that is to have the family grow and expand and and that means people have to age so that they can get married and have kids and 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 have that family expand. And when you have, you know, uh, the Marvel Universe kind of just, you know, dog uh, just treading water kind of in one place, it, it's very hard to do that. You know, I thought what Dan Slott just did with Fantastic Four was brilliant, having Reed and Sue and uh, and Franklin and Val Valeria come back from, you know, their little travels. And for them, you know, like, what, six or seven years, five years have gone by, I think. Which meant, you know, that now we're dealing with, you know, what, ten-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, instead of, you know, the kids were, you know, at like three and seven or something like that. And uh, you know, once again, Dan found a way to age the characters within the Marvel universe, which I think really underlines the whole family aspect of Mar of, uh, of the Fantastic Four. I thought it was a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying what what he's done with with that so far. Um, and like you said, this is also, um, like one of the many things that you've done in your career that's sort of like a big Valentine to, to Jack Kirby, um, years ago, I don't know if you remember this years ago, we did an interview for the Kirby collector. Uh huh. Oh, actually um, I do that. Yes. Um, and again, that was from like 99, 2000 when we did it and they did an issue that was about, forget what they called it but it was basically sort of like you know the Kirby influence on people or something like that and you know I've always noticed even at that point you had done a lot of things that that you loved using Kirby's characters and themes because I don't remember if you were still writing uh, Superman and Superboy at the time but you had written those and you had resurrected a lot of the sort of more obscure Kirby DC characters. I don't know if it's, but you were using the guardian and the newsboy Legion and yeah, not, not just sort of like the new, you know, the, the people that everybody knows that Jack did at DC, like the new gods and people like that. And 
and some other stuff. And I remember it like, and I know that you've done sort of like Section Zero, but you've uh, occasionally done sort of FF homages that weren't that weren't necessarily the FF. Like when you, because like, I know you wrote a bunch of amalgam stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. You know, you did. I forget, was it Challengers? Challengers of the, of the Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that was the sort of amalgam of the FF and the Challengers, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I know that you've always done a lot with with Kirby stuff. Yeah, it's you know it holds a uh, you know I I've, I have a real fondness for it, and and I will admit I have a real fondness for some of his um you know second tier uh, characters, uh, mostly you know probably because they're basically untouched or at least were at the time. And uh, so, so there, there's still a purity to them. I mean, at, at this point, you know, I think everything that Jack's ever uh, laid pencil to has been brought back at least once and probably three or four times at this point. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed, you know, you know, the dingbats of Danger Street and I enjoyed, you know, some of the, uh, you know, like those one page or, or three page stories that were in the back of New Gods with, you know, like, uh, Lonar and stuff like that. I always found all, all those characters really fascinating and um, always enjoyed playing around in that sort of sandbox. So, and in many ways, you know, that, that goes back to my, my fondness for the old Marvel monster comics too, that there's, there's this energy to that stuff. And, and there's also just, just a touch of goofiness. And that's kind of what I like about it. So. And like I said, you like I said, you did a bunch of amalgam stuff, and then you also wrote unlimited access, which is another thing that I have a real fondness for. Because I think at some point during my art buying pages, I actually had I think three or four pages of that. But that was another really fun series because it seemed like you guys had a lot of fun with some of that amalgam stuff. Just yeah, that, I mean that was just a great idea of, of smashing together the Marvel and DC characters and and coming up with a new like middle ground character that was a little of each. I mean it was just a lot of fun. There's you know and you could come up with things that that would make you howl with laughter. They were they were almost painful puns on names and stuff like that. You know, and uh, and you know and and once you know when we did like unlimited access and and gave um, the main character. His name was Access? Was that his name? I believe so. Yeah, Access. When we gave him the power to create amalgams, you, you no longer had to have um, kind of analogous characters, you know, like the Fantastic Four and the, and the Challengers can be combined. You could do really bizarre things, you know, like um, Green Lantern and Giant Man and come up with Green Giant, you know? Yeah, I think if I remember right, because I haven't read this in a long time, but I remember, I think... I think I remember right, you combined the Brotherhood of Evil and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which, of course, is a natural. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there was a lot of really, really clever stuff. And again, when you're, you know, I mean, I've always been a continuity nerd. So that's the kind of thing that would really appeal to me. And, you know, like, the more obscure character, the better that suddenly shows up. And again, that's why I love that stuff that you were doing in Superman and Superboy and even, you know, and even in Ravers, like uh, my friend Matt that, that writes for us in the magazine, you know, he still has, you know, he loved, he loved that Ravers book. And when I told him that we were doing the pod and I was like, do you want me to ask him anything? And he's like, well, he's like, 
I'd love to ask about Ravers, but it's like that's such a long time ago, and it's. But uh, but that was another. I mean, that book you know only lasted a couple of years, but that was another really. You know, there was a lot of fun books back then, and like your little your little corner of the DCU was was very fun at the time. Well, thank you. I mean, I I don't see any point to do this if it's not fun, quite honestly. Cool. Um, one, one other what? book, uh, uh, thing that I wanted to talk, ooh, there's a weird echo, um, thing that I wanted to make sure that we talked about, and I think I talked to you about this at San Diego once, and this is still something that I tell people is like a buried treasure run from like the last 20 years, is the sort of fairly brief run that you and Carrie Nord did on Daredevil. Which which only lasted about a year, but I think was a great run on that character, especially like you said about stuff being fun, because right. you know it had it had come sort of, you know, again, you know I think most people sort of now see Daredevil as a fairly grim and gritty character, you know, after right. what, after what Frank did, and then, you know I think you were sort of following. Uh, that time period when he was in the bl- like the black suit, the you know like the the Chichester yeah. McDaniel era, and right. and I just remember that was such a really really cool book to read, and uh, it had one of my one of my favorite things ever, and it just blew my mind when you explained it to me. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but you had an issue with Daredevil and Spider Man, right, and. It's it's a very sort of funny tongue in cheek issue, and we were talking about it at San Diego, and you and the way you explained it, it just sort of opened my. Mind. I don't know if you remember like your. Uh, I theory. think I, I I think I know exactly what I told you because I know exactly what my approach to that issue was. Yeah. Okay, you told me that Daredevil is Bugs Bunny and Spider Man is Daffy Duck. Yep, yep. Because Daredevil Daredevil is entertaining when he wins and Spider-Man is entertaining when he loses and Daffy is entertaining when he loses and Bugs is entertaining when he wins. And, uh, and, and so that's exactly what I did in that issue. I had, I, that was, those were the archetypes I was playing with. There's no doubt about it. I just, I always, that's an issue. Like I will always send people to, and I think, you know, I think you were probably the first person you brought back, you know, the Mets, other Mets, quote-unquote brother, which, you know, Mark and Chris Samini ended up using in, in their yeah. run. But yeah. Yeah, I'm again, a huge, huge fan of, of Mike Murdoch. Mike Murdoch, I, 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 as far as I'm concerned, that is a, a genius moment in the history of comics when, when Stan, for whatever reason, decided to make Matt pretend to be his own twin brother. There was just, I mean, Daredevil at that time, it was such a crazy book. Uh, and... I, that is one of my favorite periods in Daredevil history. Yeah, that's um, I was just gonna say yeah, I just I just how much I love I love that run, and that's another great thing that I think it seems like you've done over the years in books is it seems like you always love putting guys up against villains that it would make sense for them to to fight, but like are part of somebody else's rogues gallery. That, yeah. Like, yeah. like it's the kind of thing when you look on paper and you go, Oh, that would be an interesting thing. 
but you know, it's like they would never normally, you know, run into each other. Because I know you had you had him fight Mister Hyde for a couple issues, right. and then and then you had him fight Mysterio, which is it's like that's such a great premise because it's like here's the special effect Hollywood special effects bad guy, and it's like, but yeah, he's fighting the 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 blind guy with the radar senses, so it's yeah. it's. You know, but I don't know if I like if I had ever seen them, you know, run into each other before. Yeah, I know. I don't know. If, I, I I don't think they had. I don't think they had. Because I remember Marvel did was, one of their crossovers one year. Was it was that acts of acts of vengeance when all of a sudden everybody fought each other's villains, and it Could was. Be. And it was, I mean, I don't, that I mean, that wasn't part, I mean, this was earlier, this was, I think, an 80s thing. But I always thought that was such a great idea, because it's like, you know, even, even by, you know, the 80s and 90s, when, you know, you're starting to see a certain staleness, when you have, you know, the same heroes fight the same villains all the time, it's like, well, there's no reason why, you know, Batman can't fight Flash villains, or... right. Spider-Man can't fight, you know, Captain America. You know, it's as long as there's not exactly. a weird power. You know, as long as the power dynamic is is correct. And you know, the good thing is about with you know sort of the '60s Marvel characters is there aren't too many overly powerful characters. So that you know you could do a lot of interchanging. You know, yeah. and, it, and it and it works well. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Sure. Sure. But uh, as we said, um, the Kickstarter's got uh, two more weeks to go, and I know you've been very good so far about doling out surprises every day or so. Um, you've been—it seems like you've been raiding your vault to offer original art. And well, yeah, Tom and I both—we both did that. Tom Grum and I both raided our little vault for pages that maybe we really didn't want to part with, but. Uh, but Section Zero is our baby, and and so uh, you know we're we're willing to part with a few few things that probably normally we would not be willing to part with. Yeah, that is. I remember there was something I forget what it was. One of the I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. There was something that was just like, man, that's it was something that was like very very tempting, and I'm like, well, I've already, you know, I know there's nothing against me not increasing my pledge already. I, I encourage that, Mark. I encourage you to <laughs> pledge. But uh, yeah, it was. I was like, wow, that's. I, it like, may have been, yeah, it may be a Super Bowl. Was, was it the Legion? Was it the Legion cover? Yeah, it was the. It was the. It, uh, speaking of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, speaking it, of, it was that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun piece because it has a fun a fun story behind it. Where the Tom and I did that cover, and it was the Legion. With, with Duck Dodgers from the, what, 24th and a half century, which seemed to be a really perfect pairing between the Legion of Superheroes and Duck Dodgers. And after that cover was all done, editorially at DC, it was decided for whatever reason that Bugs Bunny in his Super Rabbit guys was a, was a better fit, probably because obviously the cover that that was an homage to was a cover that had Superboy being voted in to the Legion. And so... Someone up there said, well, it was Superboy, so we should have a, a super character there, and that's Bugs Bunny. 
Um, and so, you know, the, 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 that was decided, but the cover was already done. So Tom and I had to do a patch, which, you know, then in production, they stripped together. But now, you know, the the original cover that's all in one piece still has Duck Dodgers on it. And uh, it was a very interesting piece. And uh, it, it has gone to a happy, happy home, I, I, as long as we're funded, of course. That's good to know. Um, the last book that I had on my list that I wanted to, to sort of pick your brain about from years ago is was when you did Final Night, which was one of DC's sort of event books. But it was the one about when the sun went out. And there wasn't it wasn't a traditional sort of, you know, everybody fight the monster of the week or whatever. Right. I, I was um, – do you have any – any recollections of that? Because it was, I always say that's one of my favorite sort of summer event books because, because it was different. And of course it was, it was you and Stuart and Stuart's art is always so great. That, uh, you know, a genius. It was, it was, it was, it was a great looking book, but I was, that was, that was like, it's one that people don't often talk about, but I think it produced a lot of really good tie in books. Cause I know, one that people always mention is the the issue of Hitman that Garth and John did, the one where they're like basically holed up in the bar all night waiting for the world to end. But that was such a, a cool series, and it ended up with with how sac- you know because he was yeah. par- he was paralyzed at the time, but he sacrificed himself to save everybody and. That was his redemptive arc, and I was I was wondering if you had any any memories of, of doing that book. Well, I remember that it, it you know it, it originated by uh, Stuart and I were talking about ideas to bring to a, a Superman summit. What can we bring? What, what can we put on the table? What would we like to do? And Stuart is the one that said, "Well, you know, Superman, his powers come from from the sun. What if the the sun goes out? That would affect his powers." And I said, "Stuart would affect a hell of a lot more than just his powers." And uh, really, that's kind of where the whole event idea came out of. And um, DC was good enough to give us the uh, the green light to do it. And, um, you know, I, I, I did enjoy that really the idea that um, there wasn't there wasn't someone to punch. That was that was really important to me. I know, uh, you know, I was meeting with the uh, the brain trust of Carlin and Danny O'Neill and uh, uh, Archie Goodwin because they were kind of overseeing everything at the time. And um, there was a very short period in there where we actually created a supervillain who was responsible for everything. And uh, I I believe it was Archie Goodwin who just said, I liked it better when it was just a force in nature. And, you know, he he was the one who steered us back to that, and that was a really good call. And uh, with with no one to really punch uh, it, you know, the the story – is about the end of the world. It's about what do you, what do you do when the end of the world is here? Uh, you know, who do you turn to? What uh, decisions do you make um, when when there isn't going to be a tomorrow? And and it was a good position to put all of the DC characters in. And um, and I will honestly say, I do not remember how Hal Jordan became involved. Um, so I, you know. I would like to think it was my idea because I'd always been a fan of Hal Jordan. I've always really enjoyed Hal as a character, as a Green Lantern. And uh, what they, what had happened with him was did not sit well with me. I, I will just put it that way. 
It's not what I wanted to see happen to the character. So I wanted, I wanted to give Hal a good death. I wanted to have him go out on a high note. And uh, DC was, was uh, kind enough to, to allow me to do that too. So, um, and yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy with, uh, with how that whole uh, series did come out. Yeah. Like I said, I, it's one of those, I, I think there's a lot of buried gems from, from DC in that time period that a lot of people don't remember because it seemed like there was a lot of atypical stuff being published that I think now, I mean, that I thought was good at the time, but I think has, has aged well for it being sort of atypical, you know, cause obviously you get, obviously you have Starman from that time, which is sort of the, the, the shining example of, of doing something different and how well it worked. But, you know, at that time, like I said, you had like you guys doing Superboy, which was different, and then also doing Ravers. But you know, you had Chase, and you had Kronos, and even yeah. so, even something like Primal Force, which was sort of very high concept and kind of odd, but and didn't last very long. But was really interesting for like the you know year or two that that book lasted. And I, yeah. I, it seemed like that was just a real in in hindsight, especially now. It seems like it's a very interesting time for these sort of DC books that went under the radar, and I think yeah. there was a, I I think that's also true for, for for Marvel at the time. Like I said, that you know your your Daredevil book, which you know I think is is still great all these years later. <laughs> like when Ostrander was writing Heroes for Hire and Quicksilver. You know, things like that, that people kind of sort of, you know, or when Mark and and Kubert were doing Kazar, you know, it was just. Yeah, that was a bizarre one, wasn't it? That was a very strange book. Well, that's, well, like when we were talking about how you have people not fighting your normal villains, it's like, I don't think you would normally <laughs> expect Kazar to fight Thanos, <laughs> you know. and Absolutely not. Absolutely but, not. But again, you know, Mark is the kind of person who, you know, can find a way to make that work. Because, you know that he's just so great that way. He is, and he enjoys painting himself into corners. Yeah. So I want to thank you, Carl, very much. I'm glad we could finally get around to to doing this, especially since there's still time uh, for the Kickstarter. And of course, people can go to Kickstarter. It's Section yep. Zero, 1959. Like we said, it's right. It's, I mean, they can go. They can actually go to section zero nineteen fifty nine com, and that will take them right to the Kickstarter. Okay. Well, there you go. And like we said, it's got it's got two weeks left. It's at eighty percent. So, knock wood. Chances, yeah. chances are, fingers crossed, we'll make it across the finish line. Um, yeah, we end on the fourteenth uh, of March at nine p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's great. So. If people are listening and they have not pledged yet, please pledge. The first book is really good. I'm sure this new one will be just as good, and I'm very eager uh, to read it when it comes out. So, Carl, thanks again for your time. I hope you feel better, and we will talk to everybody next time. Gone up to below seven. Danger Man is out. Oh, there is someone super 
Who we all shout about 